Uh, how many first-time visitors we got? Oh, guys, look around. We're so glad you're here. Doug said this, and I just want to make sure you understand this because I know how weird it is to visit a church. Um, I, I did not grow up with church being a part of my life. Um, it was for a small season of my childhood, but I sort of tuned that out anyways. And so uh, at 24, a friend brought me to church, and I remember being brought into the church, and like everybody was smiling and trying to hug me. And I was just like, whoa, what is this place? Like back off me, you know, like church is weird. And so let's call it what it is. And so we're glad you're here. I know it's like a weird thing to visit a church. So um, we say this a lot and we really mean it. Like we're not going to pretend we have all the answers because we don't. We won't pretend to be perfect because we're not. Um, we're a bunch of messed up, imperfect people, but we love to get together and pursue a perfect God. And so no matter, the good news for you is, is no matter what's going on in your life, whether you're like, I've never been better in life than I am right now, or I've Things have never been worse. Or whether you would say like, I've never felt closer to God than I do right now. Or maybe you would say like, I don't even know if I believe in God. We mean this from the bottom of our hearts. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, like you're welcome here. We prayed you would come here. So I hope you feel that you'll be valued here. You'll be loved here. You'll be accepted here. And uh, so welcome home, as Doug said, and welcome to Red Rocks Church. We're so glad you're here. <clears throat> How many of you are single? Raise your hands. Oh, keep them up for a second. Look around. See what you got to work with here. Come on. You're scoping and hoping already anyways. Let me just help. Look, I, I believe the local church is the best place to meet your spouse. So good luck and you're welcome. Uh, I do that at home and, you know, at home, some of our locations are pretty good size. And so like, you know, I say all the single people raise their hand and it's like a singles nightclub. Like everybody's like, yo, what up? I'm over. And I was at the gym the other day and I said, this big old boy came up to me and I heard this like, hey, Sean. And I'm like, oh no. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I was in church the other day. You did that uh, raise your hand if you're single thing. And I was like, oh, he's going to, you know, rebuke me and tell me I'm immature and all the stuff I always hear anyways. And I know it's irresponsible. And he's like, hey, I was in the back like this, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. And he walked off. <laughs> so I'm just trying to help single people. I'm just saying. I met my wife at church in a small group. In fact, would you put that picture up of my wife? That's my wife, Jill. She's way too good and hot for me. Um, but I'm glad she... Uh, she said yes. Can you get this? Uh, just this last month, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. Isn't that cool? 20 years with that hottie. And over that time period, we made these. Go ahead and put those pictures up. That's my three boys, Ethan, Austin, and Ashton. And over the course of time, I'll tell you a whole bunch of funny stories about all of them in the future. Um, but this is kind of cool. The little one, he, he looks peaceful in that picture. He's actually violent. And, um, but I was asking all three boys, I was like, Hey, I got some airline miles right now. And I want to do a father son trip. Like, where do you guys want to go? Like pick a city in the country and let's try to figure something out. And my youngest son, uh, I'm not youngest, the middle son, the, the one with the lapel on his jacket there. Um, he's like, he's like, dad, I want to go to New York and I want to go to a show and I want to go shoe shopping. And I was like, you are my son. <laughs> and the youngest one was like, that's stupid. I don't want to go to New York. He's like, I go, all right, Ash, you can go anywhere you want. Where do you want to go? He's like, I want to go to Austin and see our church. So we'll be back. And he wants to come see Aunt Lori. Where you at, Aunt Lori? Uh-huh, single and ready to mingle. Aunt Lori. 
today uh, we've been looking at this verse, Ephesians 3.20. Welcome to church, everybody. Ephesians 3.20, would you put that up now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I believe that verse describes what we as a church family have been experiencing now for 14 years. But it's definitely what you guys are already experiencing right now. I mean, this is three weeks into a church plant in a city that a whole bunch of people just said, oh, we don't know anybody there. We'll just move there. We're three weeks in, and this is the second service. This doesn't happen. You guys understand that in a city like this. Like, this is Ephesians 3.20, and it is just the beginning. And those of you who are patient enough to stick with this group, especially Ethan, needs extra grace. We call him extra grace. Um, Guys, I'm telling you, you're going to blink and you're going to turn around and you're going to go, oh my gosh, look what God has done. I was in on the ground floor. And you're going to have all these stories. But this is, this is Ephesians 3.20. Would you put up the version with all the underlines? Um, but, but, and I underlined a few parts of it because I want to focus on this because here's my hope is I know that this is our story as a church family. And, and, and if I get invited back, I'll share more of our church history with you at some point just because it's funny. But Here's what my prayer has been for us tonight is that some of you would actually start to understand that this is God's promise for your life. This isn't just a verse for church people and it isn't just a verse about churches. It's a verse from the creator of the universe to us about our lives. And I want you to start to wrap your mind around this. God's promise is I wanna do things in your life that blow you away. I wanna do things that are immeasurably over what you could ever even ask or imagine or think up on your own. And that first part, it says, to him who is able. And I always have to remind myself of that because let's be honest, if I were to take the mic just around this room right here, and if you guys were like willing to share, almost everyone in this room would have something where you go, this is, this is my struggle right now. This is what I've been worrying about right now. This is what my family's going through. This is what a loved one's going through. This is what I'm going through. And, and especially at this time of year, right? We're already three weeks in. So, I mean, most of us who had New Year's resolutions are already like depressed because we've ruined it, right? But especially at this time of year, it's that time of year where we always tend to spend just a little bit of time going, what do I wish was different? What do I wish was, had changed? What do I wish I'd made some forward progress in what area? And we start to think about all these things. Listen, here's, here's what I just want to remind you for a second. If, if you could fix whatever it is, if you're, whatever your biggest worry or concern is right now, if you could fix it on your own, you already would have. What we need to do is get past relying on our own potential and start going, no, I need to rely on the creator of the universe's potential to work in my life. And he said, that's what we're talking about. To him who is able. I'm not able. That's why it's still a problem but to him who is able to do immeasurably more. He said, look, there, there's a limit with you. There's a limit where you go, okay, this particular part of my life is now hopeless. This particular part of my life just isn't going to work out. This particular dream I have, I'm just not gonna see come true. I'm just, it's just impossible, right? And he says, no, with man it is, but with me it's not. He says, his promise to you is I can do more in your life, immeasurably more than what you could ever dream up. And then he says again, make sure you understand why, because it's not your power that's making it happen. He's, God says, it's my power. And then I love how it ends. He says, I'm working. My power is at work within you. 
And some of you need to know, listen, I hope you have a lot of fun while you're here. I hope you connect with people. I hope you pray for Ethan, right? I hope you do all kinds of things while you're here. Ethan, I love you. He does need the prayer. If you leave with only one thing, here's what I would hope you leave with today. Because we, we, we all find ourselves in positions in life where we're always looking forward, right? Sometimes it's something that I hope. Sometimes it's something that I'm scared to death might happen. But we're always looking forward, it seems like, to something in, in, in positive or negative ways. What I, want you to, what I want you to leave here with tonight is this, is that the creator of the universe is promising you, listen, I'm working in your life. You're not forgotten. I know what you've been through. I know what you're going through. I know the dreams on your heart. I put them there. And I'm working in your life. Listen, and it's even when you can't see it, even when you don't understand it, even when you can't feel it. We do so much by our feelings, right? And I look at my situation and I go, well, things suck. So God must not be working. And I don't feel like anything's happening. So he must not be working. And we've got to be reminded he's working in our life. And this is true, not because I feel it, but because his word says it. And his word trumps our feelings every single time. That's what we have to remember, church. Hey, it's okay to make some noise. We could get rowdy in here. We're supposed to have fun. Ephesians 3.20, the two big reminders I take away from it is this. My God is able and my God is working. Tell your neighbor, my God is able and my God is working. And listen, because that's true, when we remind ourselves my God is able and my God is working, even on the days when I don't understand what he's up to, then, then this verse can become a declaration. Psalm 118 and 24, would you put that up? I don't know what's gonna happen next and I don't know about the promotion and I don't know about the job and I don't know about the finances and the relationship I'm struggling with. I don't know how it's gonna work out, but I know my God is able. I know my God is working. So I can declare this, this is the day the Lord has made. I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Not because I know all the answers, but because I know my God's able and he's working and he's got all the answers. So I can choose to rejoice and be glad in this day, in this moment. And see, this is so important for us to remember because here's what we tend to do. We tend to get so focused on a hypothetical future that we miss out on life to the fullest in the here and now. Jesus said, I came to this world to bring you life and life to the fullest. And I'm telling you guys, life to the fullest is not just about someday, it's about today. We can experience that today. We don't have to wait till someday to have peace when it all works out. Someday I'll be happy when it all works out. Someday I'll have joy. Someday I'll live with passion. No, we can do all those things today. Because even on the days I don't understand what he's up to, my God is able and my God is working. So I can put my foot down, put my hands up and I can worship and rejoice in this day, in this moment. And see, I need to be reminded of that, and I bet some of you do too, right? Sometimes what we do in life is almost like, like you'll, you'll, you'll know what I mean when I say it this way. You ever been driving somewhere, and something is coming around the corner, and you're so focused on this thing that's coming up in life, right, that you arrive to your destination, you ever pull into the drive and like, shh, and you go, that was a stick shift, by the way. I don't know why. Um, you ever pull up to a drive and then like put it in park and you're like, how did I get here? I know I've been driving for 20 minutes. I don't remember any of it. You ever had that happen? Like, how did I get here? 
See, if we're not careful, that'll happen in life. We get so focused on something else that we'll miss all the moments along the way, all the experience that God wants us to have in the journey. I saw this in my own life. I was reminded of this just the other day uh, uh, over Christmas break. I took those three boys skiing. How many, I need to know how much information I need to share on this story. How many of you guys have been skiing or snowboarding? Okay, a lot of you. Some of you are like, mm-mm, haven't. See, in Colorado, we have these things called mountains, and, and, and they collect snow, and it's really cool. We put sticks on our feet, and we just slide down them for fun. And um, it's, you know, because God loves us more. So, so I was doing that, and, and it was like on a whim. The boys were like, let's go skiing. And in, in Colorado, you don't like make a year plan and, you know, take a trip and get on a plane. You just drive up to the mountains because you can. Remember when you could do that? Um, and he's like, oh, no, it's cool. You guys have the, the things here. So, um, so we went skiing. We went to this place called Keystone, and I had this vision, this hypothetical future that, that I had created for myself. And it was me and my three boys, and although we went to Keystone over Christmas break, which is crazy, in my dream, we were going to be the only ones there. And it was going to be amazing. And we were going to be going down the mountain. And I snowboard, but on a very average level. And, and, and my 10-year-old, who you saw in the picture, the little violent one, he literally just puts his head down, skis straight, and he just plows down the mountain. Doesn't care about himself or anyone else. In my dream, he slowed down. And he actually turned around and he grabs my hand while I'm boarding. And he's like, and it was all slow motion. He's like, I love you, Dad. And I was like, I love you, son. I don't know why I made that face, but I, in slow motion, you do. And, and then the other two boys join in the picture, and they, like, come up next to me, and they're like, you're the best dad ever. And I'm like, I know. Like, this was going to, that was the dream. What actually happened is, is we went to the ski rental facility, which there will be one of those in hell. You'll actually have to rent skis every day in hell. So find Jesus. So, so we go to this ski rental place. And I mean, it is, for all of you who have been, and, and, and I'm guessing you've been to the ski rental place, some of you. It, and in Colorado now, see, certain things are legal. So the, guy, the kids who run the ski rental facilities move very slow these days, is all I'm saying, okay? They're very relaxed. Not much gets them upset. So we're in there for like, a long, like 30 minutes before anyone ever even comes over to help me and the, and the kids get the skis. And I'm, and I'm just like losing my patience because patience is not one of the things I'm good at. And, and so finally we get the kids measured, get the skis, like it's taking forever. So then we get in a line and we get all the way to the front and it's like another 20 minutes in line and we get to the front and I'm like, hey, I'm paying for their skis. Oh, and he needs a helmet. And he's like, oh, brah, helmet lines over there, man. And I'm just like, thanks, Rick. We could have used some, you know, a sign, something. And so we get in another line to rent the helmet. And my wife's texting me. She's like, how's skiing with the boys? I'm like, still in hell, you know. And so at one point, I'm so like losing my mind. I'm so frustrated. And Rick's over here. Nothing's working out. And my son, Austin, my middle son's like, dad. He goes, dad. All of a sudden, he just starts freaking out. He goes, dad, my foot's stuck in my boot. I go, why do you have your boots on? Oh, my foot's stuck in my boot. He goes, help. I go, shut up. Help, help. I reach down to help him. He pulls his foot out, knees me right in the face. I'm like, oh my gosh. And we'll read the Bible again, I promise. But this is going somewhere. And so I'm completely injured 
haven't got to the slopes yet, finally get to the slopes, get on the chairlift. Well, those of you who have went, you know I'm talking about I snowboard, so you can only ride a chairlift with one foot in a snowboard, right? So getting off the chairlift is like usually the most exciting part of my day, okay? Trying to do that with one foot in the snowboard. So we get off the chairlift. I'm trying to balance. My youngest son cuts in front of me. His skis hit the board. The board catches what's called an edge, and I just go, whoop, bam. They shut the chairlift down. I'm on the ground again. I get up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My youngest son looks back at me and goes, are you hurt again? I'm like, oh, I will fight a kid right now. Here's, here's my point. I looked at my watch. True story. It's noon. Half my day. Half my perfect day with just me and the boys on the mountain being men together. Half my dream day is gone. And all of a sudden I came to this realization. I have not enjoyed one minute of it yet. Half of it's already gone. And all of a sudden it hit me. That's what I'm tempted to do in life. See, because what I do is, and, and I call it dreaming, right? And especially if you're getting around the right church circles and you learn the right church language, what you do is you really worry every day, but you call it dreaming because God's put a dream on my heart. And what I've really done is created a hypothetical future for myself that I hope God gets on board for, that I hope God makes happen. And then I worry every single day as to whether or not it will. See, dreaming and worrying, they come from the same place. We gotta be careful, right? And so, so what I do is I'll, I'll I have no joy today because I'm, I'm all focused on what might be. And, and I got no joy today, but someday I'll be happy when the thing. I, someday when I, when we, then I, and pretty soon it's day after day after day after day. And it's like driving in a car and getting somewhere and you've missed every moment along the way. Like, wouldn't it be tragic if you do finish school and God does everything you're hoping for and then you look back one day and realize, like, look what, it, look, what it, look what God did. I don't know if I enjoyed any of it as it was happening. What if you find the right person and start the family and everything that you've been dreaming about in your relationship world starts to happen? And, and let, let's say it takes a few years. Wouldn't it be tragic to, to arrive at that place and look back and realize like God had so many moments for me to enjoy and so much purpose and destiny along the way. And I don't think I was tuned into any of it because I was so focused. And, and, and you know how life works, right? No matter what you're dreaming of, whether it comes true or not, eventually you get to a certain place and you just start dreaming again. And so the, the, the problem is, is we're always looking forward, tempted to miss out on what God's doing right now, today. Isn't that true? See, we got to be careful that we don't get so fixated on a hypothetical future that we miss out on the joy that God has in store for us today. Sorry. I read something um, recently, and, and I know, Laura, you're like, you can't read. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> I read something over Christmas break, and it just rocked me. In fact, as I was reading it, I just, got my phone, I just got my phone out. I texted the author and I was like, bro, thank you. Like, this rocked me. And in fact, so much so that I'm gonna spend the next month talking to our church about it. Like, thank you for writing this. And, and I thought, I wanna, I wanna tell you what I read that so affected me. And then I thought, I'm just gonna make it simple. Let me just read you a few paragraphs. It's, it's a book called Own the Moment by Pastor Carl Lentz. And I think this will really speak to you. Let's read. I think we all have a bad idea of what the dream life is 
if it means we see it only when we sleep. My dream church is the one I pastor right now. My dream house, I'm sleeping in it. I'm sure it won't be the last one, and I have some ideas about what the future can hold, without a doubt. But I'm not going to walk around with that feeling all the time that gnaws slowly at so many. The feeling that says, there has to be something better. I think I'm over my tattoo phase, but if I did add something, it would be dream big, but live better. That's where we get the title of this series. That's essentially what the scripture says in Ephesians 3.20. And leave that up. But he starts to go through this scripture that we've been focusing on. And it's interesting because I always read three, Ephesians 3.20 and go, that's my excuse to keep dreaming bigger dreams and looking forward to the future more. And he takes this verse and he completely flips it upside down and goes, no, it's actually a reminder to live present in the moment. Listen, he says, God is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory. He said, that passage open, opens my eyes every day to the power of right now. Because if this is true, and I believe it is with my whole heart, my dreams are fantastic. But God is so good that he'll exceed them anyway. Rewrite them better. So I might as well live like what I'm doing is the dream because there is probably more in it than I realize. And then he says this, I was asked recently, are you living the dream? It looks like it. And I answered respectfully, no, I killed the dream. I'm living something better, a reality that I can feel and share and pass on. I don't see my dreams when I close my eyes. I think we can live something greater when we truly open them. And I started thinking about us. Wouldn't it be tragic if the company gets built and one day you're standing over here going, look at what God allowed me to be a part of. And you look back and all of a sudden you realize, but I don't think I enjoyed any of it. The kids got raised, but I spent so much time worrying about how they were gonna turn out and if I'm doing it right and all the mistakes I'm making and now they're gonna leave and be gone and look what God did and I'm not sure I enjoyed any of it. I was challenging some of the team here even in the first service. Like so many of you are already bought in heart and soul to this church family. Some of you moved across the country to be a part of it. You don't want to end up five years from now going, look what God has done. And then look back and go, and I don't know if I enjoyed any of it. See, we got to be careful that we don't get so focused on what might happen that we miss out on what is happening. Life to the fullest is not just for someday. It's for this day. And we get to choose whether or not we decide to give it some passion. We get to choose whether or not we decide to put our hands up and worship, even though I don't know what's coming next. It's not about putting your hands in the air, but you see what I'm saying? Like I get to decide if I get to rejoice and praise God for where I am, even though it's not the end result in my mind. I get to decide if I'm gonna embrace this day with some passion. I get to decide if I'm gonna just look around nonstop. God, I don't know if this is where I'm gonna be forever, but I know you got a purpose for me right here, so I'm gonna look for that. I know there's probably a person in this stage of life that needs me, that needs help, that needs love, that needs you. I'm here for them right now. So I'm gonna rejoice over that. We don't have to wait till someday. 
to live with this kind of passion, but we can choose to live that way this day. I was talking to a, to a friend of mine recently and um, he's really good at what he does. In fact, um, he's in the top 1%, probably even closer to the top than that of everyone who does what he does for a living. He's really good. God's given him a, a, a huge opportunity and a lot of influence. And we were talking and he said, it's crazy. He said, I've never on paper been more successful than I am right now. And I've never had more depression and anxiety in my life than I do right now. And I, come on, so many of you know what that feels like. Things are so good on paper. There's so many people who would look at my life and go, I'd trade places. I wish I could have that. I wish I could be in your position. And yet in your own mind and in your own heart and in your own soul, there's so much depression and anxiety and worry, right? We know what that feels like. Like it looks like it should be successful, but I've never had more anxiety. And, and, and we started talking and he was like, you know, he said, everywhere I go and every time I do my job, I'm always wondering who's watching and are they looking and are they paying attention and will I be promoted and will I get a chance to go to the next level and what about me and what about my future and oh my gosh, never been more successful, never had more anxiety. And I was texting with him the other day and I said, why do you think that is? And he sent me this response and I told him I would not share his name, but he said I could share our text. And here's what he said. It's hard to be content and enjoy each day because I feel like I gotta do it on my own all the time. It's a lonely place to be, that's for sure. But that seems to be where I live. Always thinking, if I don't make it happen, then it won't. Or if I truly let go and trust God, I'll lose out and be overlooked. Come on, you ever had that feeling? I wanna trust God with this part of my life, but if I don't push and if I don't try to knock down the door and if I don't try to wiggle my way into the next room or the next level of life, like maybe it won't happen. If I just sit back and trust God, like maybe I'll just get overlooked. We know that feeling. That's what he said. He said, feeling like you have to impress, please and outshine everyone around you is a heavy weight to carry. But that's been my story as long as I can remember. Feeling that I'm enough only happens when I feel like I've achieved everything there is to achieve and the people around me see it. Pretty stupid, I know. And I texted my friend and I was like, dude, I have so much in common with you. Some of you would probably say the same. See, what he needed to be reminded and what I often need to be reminded and maybe what you need to be reminded is it's not about what I can do. It's not about my power. It's not about my potential. It's not about what I can wiggle my way into. It's not about what door I can force open. What'd that verse say? No, it's, it's, it's about his power and what he is able to do and his potential in our life. God says, I am able. And I believe the message that I was supposed to deliver tonight to some of you is this. God's got your tomorrow under control. Would you give yourself permission to enjoy today? Some of you just need to give yourself permission. I was talking with a friend recently and, and she's, she's been an addict and she's on the road to recovery. And she was talking to me about, I've been sober this many days and this has happened and I've been in this rehab and now I'm in this house and after I get out of this house, I'll graduate to this and then, and then I'll do this. And she's lost all her schooling opportunities and she wants to be a nurse, but she's lost all that because of her addiction. And then I'll get back in school and then I'm gonna be a nurse. And one day, she was so excited and passionate about the one day and I just stopped her in the middle and I said, listen, can I, can I just, as a friend, 
Can I just say something to you? I'm so excited for your one day. Like, you're, you're making all the right moves. You're doing all the right stuff. And I'm praying with you for that someday. But can you give yourself permission to enjoy this day? Life's what happens while we pursue our dreams. You know that, church. Give yourself permission to sit in this moment, in this room, in this space, and go, you know what? I don't have all the answers and know how it's going to turn out, but my God is able and my God is working, so I choose to rejoice in this moment. We can do that. And I was telling my friend about another friend of mine named Nick. Band, you can come up. And uh, I, said, I said, you know what? I have this friend named Nick, and Nick is a, a friend of, of me and Doug's. And, and Ethan, have you met Nick? Have you hung out with him? Yeah. Um, and so anyways, he's a pastor, and he's at one of the more influential churches on the planet. And I was telling my buddy who's struggling, I said, you know, I have this friend named Nick, and I've known him for like 20 years, and he's one of the happiest, most joyful people I've ever met. In fact, he's one of those guys that's almost annoyingly happy. You know, it's like, how are you doing? And what you want is like, eh, things okay. Then you feel better about your life, right? And I'm like, how you doing? And every time I ask him how you're doing, he's like, great, amazing, so blessed. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> but I said, I said, you know what's interesting about Nick? In 20 years, and we've talked about everything under the sun, really close friends, in 20 years, I've never once heard him talk about how he's worried about the future, how he hopes he gets the promotion how he's got all these dreams, but nobody seems to be watching, how he might be getting overlooked. And what about getting mine? I've never once heard, all I've ever heard him talk about is like, oh, I'm just being faithful where I'm at. And this is where God's got me. And oh, such a blessing. Like, and I was bragging about him behind his back. And so as I was driving home, I called him. And I was like, man, I, I just got to tell you, I, I've been bragging about you behind your back. And listen, church, I believe that's who we're called to be as believers, that we live with so much joy because we choose to worship God in this moment that people closest to us, they brag about us behind our backs because we're filled with so much joy in the midst of chaos. I said, Nick, how do you do it? He goes, man, I, I just remind myself of this verse. Go ahead and put that verse up. He said, looking unto Jesus... He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He goes, I just remind myself all the time, like no man controls my future, God does. No man controls my promotion, God does. No man is in charge of my potential and the next step uh, in my life, that's God. He's the author and the finisher of my faith and my life and my dreams and my future, the whole thing. And he goes, he goes so I don't ever try to force open a door to the next room. I don't ever try to wiggle my way in. I don't worry about if people are watching. He goes, I just look at it like this. God's got me in this room for a reason. So while I'm here, I'll just crush this room. Because that's how I live. God's got me here. And when he wants me in the next room, he'll open the door. So I'll just crush this room. And he's the happiest person I think I've ever known. Isn't that ironic? And, and when I called him, this is how cool God is. He goes, Sean, it's so ironic that you're calling me right now. Because you wouldn't know this, but I'm in my car. And I'm on my way to a meeting. Listen, when he got hired at this church, he was the assistant to the youth pastor. Not assistant youth pastor, assistant to the youth pastor. <laughs> if you look at an org chart on a big church, assistant to the youth pastor is barely on the chart. Nobody's calling the assistant to the youth pastor into a meeting going, how do you think we ought to handle the budget this year? 
What do you think the vision for the entire organization ought to be? Nobody cares. Like you're barely hired. And you're always on like temp. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that true? If you work with the, the assistant to the youth, it's always like, let's just see what stupid thing he does this week and see if we want to keep him. He goes, Sean, I've been here 12 years. He goes, of course, I've always had like thoughts of like what this place could do and could be, but I've never told anyone and I've never pushed and I've never asked for anything. He goes, I'm on my way right now to a meeting. He goes, I just got promoted and I'm running the entire executive team for the entire organization. That's how God works because man is not in charge of our promotion, God is. And because he's able and because he's working, even on the days when you don't have a clue what's coming next, you can put your foot down and stand on the word of God and go, no, because he's able and because he's working, I will rejoice today. I will be passionate today. I will have peace today in Jesus' name. Stand up, church. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that you're in this moment with us. I thank you so much that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. Even though right now, some of us, we're in the middle of it. Some of us are going through things on the inside that nobody else knows about and nobody else understands. And right now I pray for peace in Jesus' name. Your word says in Philippians that when we come to you with the stuff that's killing us, that's driving us crazy, that's, that's hurting us, that's scaring us, that you will give us a peace that passes all understanding. And I pray for that right now for somebody in Jesus' name, that some weights would come off our shoulders, that we could just stand here in your presence, not having the answers for the future, yet rejoicing over what you're doing in the present. I pray, God, that you would help us to live in this moment with peace and in this moment with purpose and in this moment with passion, knowing that you've got what's next under control. In Jesus' name, and everybody at Red Rocks Austin said, amen. Let's worship.